T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome in, B-Mass and Beamer on WBEN. Thanks for being with me. You got me for another hour here. Brian Mazurowski in with you uh, today. Uh, Joe's off on his honeymoon this week. I uh, hope he's having a good time out there. I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> lots going on today. Lots on my mind. What I want to talk about is potholes. Potholes and gas. You're in your car. You're driving around. You're seeing two things, and they're both slapping you in the face. First, you're driving over these craters, and then second, you look up, and you see a sign that's smacking you in the face with uh, you know, a huge price of gas. I want to know your secrets for each one. Where are the potholes, and do you have any experience getting reimbursed for pothole damage? How do you get to the point? And then gas prices. I mean, what are you doing differently, if anything, when the price of gas goes up? Are you, do you have two cars in the house? Are you taking one more than the other? Do you have a trick? Do you, I mean, I tell you what I used to do, and I, I would, uh, you know, fill up just like, just a little bit. And then hope that it goes down in a couple days. It never does. <laughs> but then, you know, I'm just thinking I'm ahead of the game. That way. Do you have any tricks, little things like that? That's why I want to know. You know, I brought up uh, before inflation, there's signs of inflation and paying higher prices everywhere. Obviously, in the grocery store, you're paying higher prices for just about everything. But it's gas that, I mean, you're driving down the road, you look up, it's a, literally a huge sign that glows at night to remind you hey, this is more expensive now. But that's what I want to talk about. Forgive me if it get, you know it takes me a little bit to get there. Uh, but you can weigh in right now. Uh, I'll take your calls. 803-0930. 803-0930. Send me a text as well. Gas prices, potholes, where are the worst? You have any experience? You get reimbursed? What's your gas secret when the price goes sky high? Like it is now. Someone just texting in, uh, just saying uh, 30 to 40 cents a gallon more here than it is in uh, Florida, where they came from. But, you know, a couple things on my mind. First, uh, if you were with us before the news break with Randy, you heard Steve Greenberg of Siena Research. They're out with a new poll this morning on masking, which uh, I thought was very interesting. And just another example, you got to watch out with how you look at and take in these polls as they're uh, put in, because... If you just read the headline, this is uh, what the headline of the poll says. Strong majority want early March data before lifting school mask mandate. 
a plurality still want the indoor public mask mandate in New York State. Now, that would tell you one thing. That would tell you that, hey, masking is actually more popular. However, if you look at the numbers, let's start with that second part. Uh, plurality still want indoor public mask mandate. If you look at the numbers in the poll, though, a majority say that they're either happy that the mask mandate ended when it did or say it should have ended far earlier. So while a plurality, which means that, so uh, to give you these numbers, 20% say it ended at the right time, 31% say it should have ended earlier, 45% say the mandate should still be in place. So there's three different options. The you know, the winner, the winning vote getter of these three options were the mandate should still be in place. So that gets a plurality. But that headline is ignoring the fact that the majority of people, now it's a slight majority, I mean, it kind of, it's 50-50 down the line, but a majority of people say that whether it was the other week or whether it should have been three months ago, they're happy the mask mandate is gone. You don't get that from the headline. You have to look at the numbers. And then on schools, oh, I thought this was so interesting. In schools, I mean, the number one piece of data from that poll, and the thing I thought was so interesting, those who responded to the poll who do not have children in the home who are going to school were more likely to want to have masks worn in school. I mean, there's a chart. Check it out, WBEN.com. I, you are asked the question, and, and then it's, right, it is broken up into, hey, do you have kids in, in school right now or do you not? Do you have kids in your house or do you not? The people who did not have kids in school, the people who are really not impacted by the decision because it's not their kids in school, are the ones saying... With a louder voice, yes, keep the masks on in school. If you have kids in school and you're seeing how this works on a day-to-day basis, according to this poll, you're more likely to say, get rid of the masks in school. When you put them all together, you get what the headline says, which is strong majority want early March data before lifting school mask mandate. However, if you break that down to just people who are in a house with somebody who goes into school, 40% say it should have ended already. An extra 13%, which means a majority at the end of the day, say it should be gone when my kid goes back after the break. So while the headline says strong majority want data before lifting school mask mandate, an alternate headline could be households with children in school, want masks off. Same data, two different headlines. So you have to look at the numbers. And then there's the part on the data. right? In schools, 58% say we should wait for early March data before deciding whether to lift the mask mandate. And so we talked to Steve Greenberg. And I, you know, I'm worried, and you know, Steve, I doubt he's listening. But if he was, this wasn't meant to be... Um, you know, a criticism of how the question was asked. 
I actually think it was asked perfectly because it perfectly illustrates what we've all been doing here. The question, I, do you think the mask mandate should have ended already in schools? Do you want to see it end after this week's school break? Or do you think we should wait for the early March data? And you know, overall, people said, oh, we should wait for the early March data. Now, the question didn't say what data it is. You know, oh, we should wait for the data. What data? I don't know. The, the, the data. The, the data. I, I want to wait to see the three-point percentage from last night's UCLA-Arizona State game before I make my decision on this. I need to wait for that data. I need to wait to see how many school bus accidents there have been in the last four and a half months before I make my decision. That's the data I'm talking about. But it never specifies data. And I don't think that's something that should be held against the pollsters because I actually think it's asked in a perfect way because it's how most people have been looking at this, right? Oh, we need to wait for the data. Well, what data? I, you know, the data. The data. You know, follow the science. What's science? Just, just the science. Just do it. I think it's perfectly illustrated right there. I mean, what data are they looking for? Are they looking for the data of serious illness for children? Because we've known this throughout the pandemic. Children have been at lower risk of serious illness than adults. Uh, long COVID, long COVID, through the studies that have been there, also seems less prevalent among children than adults. In fact, some studies show that long COVID is more prevalent in kids who never had COVID. Evidence from Test to Stay programs show that more than 97% of kids who are exposed to COVID in school and are then required to stay home never end up testing positive. Is that the data that we're uh, waiting for or looking for? I don't know. No one knows when they ask for it. They just want to be reassured. What this does tell me, because of the way you can look at this, is that the media stories, the media push to really put fear and emphasize risks to children here in the U.S. has worked tremendously. Because really, if you look at this, if most people who don't have kids in a household and don't personally deal with this, and the only thing they know about masking in schools is from what they hear, Versus uh, those people say, well, we'll wait for the day. I want to be very cautious. Versus the people who are experiencing this firsthand, who have a kid in school, who are more likely to say, well, no, it's I know what's going on. I see it with my eyes. We need to switch policy. The CDC... The messaging has chosen to emphasize risk. The result is a lot of fear among 
uh, as you might see in this poll, it's not just parents. It might not even really be parents. It's just amongst the general population. There's fear among removing pandemic restrictions for children who are less at risk, even among adults who are not worried about their own health. Adults who are more at risk, not worried about themselves, and the mask mandate as much as they are the kids who are less at risk inside of a school. But it shows you that the media campaign works. And I saw two examples of that today. I saw it in that Siena poll, and I saw it when we got the breaking news. I mean, this is something that riles me up. You might not care about it. I don't know. But uh, U.S. soccer and the women players who were suing the U.S. Soccer Federation have agreed to settle their equal pay lawsuit. It's been a six-year fight that has been described in the media as being over equal pay, pitting high-profile members of the U.S. women's soccer team against the U.S. Soccer Federation, has probably ended this morning with a settlement. U.S. Soccer is going to pay a lump sum $24 million to those players. A lot of that is back pay. But more notable is U.S. Soccer pledging to equalize pay between the men's and women's national teams in all competitions. Now, how did you get to this point? I, it's, uh, well, we'll start by listening to everyone's favorite, Megan Rapino. She was on Good Morning America this morning. Here she is uh, reacting to this settlement. Um, obviously, we have, you know, lawyers and um, strategists and media people to help us. Um, everybody's been in our corner the, the entire time. I'll stop right there. She is very right on that. The media people helping have put just about everybody in their corner the entire time. They deserve 100% of the credit. Whoever their media and messaging strategist is just won them $24 million and probably a lot more down the road because they weren't winning in a courtroom. The judge basically threw it out. He said there is no real – there, there is a discrepancy. You do deserve a, a, as nice of a hotel room, obviously. You deserve to be playing on natural grass instead of turf. But when it comes to pay, I can't say it's against the law that they're paying you what you agreed to be paid in your own collective bargaining agreement that you paid, that you agreed to. That, according to U.S. Soccer, you were even offered exactly the same agreement that the men had. And you turned it down in favor of some other benefits. So this in no way violates the equal pay laws. You're getting what you agreed to. So in a courtroom, this was going nowhere. But as Megan Rapinoe pointed out, because they had the expert media strategist on their side, now they got a $24, lump, uh, $24 million lump sum payment and perhaps much more. She continues here. I feel like the thing I look look forward to and I'm really proud of is that, you know, the justice comes in the next generation never having to go through what we went through. And thank God, the next generation of U.S. women's soccer players will never have to go through being paid millions of dollars to play a game uh, thanks to this. Uh, 
Thank you. It, it would be rough if that had to happen. It would be rough. It would be rough. Now, this isn't final. It could take months because the way this is all sorted out, you see, uh, they need to come up with a new collective bargaining agreement for not just the women but the men now that are both going to be the same. And because one of the big discrepancies has been, so, you know, uh, first it started off with, hey, we're not being paid as much as the men. U.S. Soccer said, well, we offered you the same contract. You just decided that you didn't want to be paid the same. You wanted more guaranteed money and benefits than bonus money and benefits. So you agreed to a different deal, and that's why you're not being paid. Well, 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 we don't make the same prize money from FIFA. U.S. Soccer said, well, that's not our fault. That's FIFA. They're an entirely different organization. Can't blame us for what somebody else pays out. Even despite that, now in this settlement, the Federation is going to equalize those payments. But to do so, to make that deal work, according to the New York Times, the Federation is seeking a single collective bargaining agreement that covers both teams. But the Men's Players Association will have to agree to share or surrender millions of dollars in potential World Cup payments from FIFA. Those payments are set by FIFA, exponentially larger for the Men's World Cup than they are for the Women's Tournament. Because one brings in a lot of money, and one brings in an ungodly sum of money. So the payouts kind of work accordingly. But now it's going to be equal under this new settlement. And how are they going to do that? Well, you're going to have to take money from the men's team and put it over here instead. So we'll see how that goes. But at the end of the day, U.S. Soccer's President Cindy Parlo Cohn, who's up for re-election, by the way, has decided that it's more beneficial for her to get this behind, no matter whether they were in the right or wrong. It's more advantageous to have this behind us than it is to continue fighting. And that's because... As I've said before on this show, the women involved in this lawsuit absolutely creamed U.S. soccer when it came to the media messaging. Every time you saw this on national news, what was it? Women fight for equal pay. Never was it mentioned that they agreed to what they were being paid. Very rarely, you had to dig deep to find that the lawsuits were not going well in court. It was always a fight for equal pay, and they framed it perfectly. And kudos to Megan Rapino, who was on TV this morning, giving credit where it's deserved to the media team behind that push that just won them $24 million. And never again will there have to be a, uh, you know, someone going hungry on a, a mere six-figure salary uh, playing soccer a few times a year. We'll be back. I promised I would get to potholes and gas and everything like that. It, you know, it just takes me a while to get there. Uh, Beamaz and Beamer and WBEN. We're back in here, uh, Beamaz and Beamer, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. on WBEN. Uh, Joe off for this week. I'm with you here for the next hour. And I, you know, do want to kind of touch on the pothole situation, the uh, gas sign slapping you in the face as you're driving around. 
I feel like it's not a very welcoming environment right now. Because if you're not dodging a pothole, you're looking up and seeing a sign reminding you of how much more you're paying for gas. It kind of sounds miserable. And then you get out of your car and it's all white and salty. That's not fun. Uh, But that's the reality of right now in western New York, uh, what it's been like over the past couple of weeks. Uh, The pothole problem is crazy. So I want to hear from you. 803-0930-803-0930. You can send me a text. You can give me a call here. Where are the worst potholes that you're seeing? What should people watch out for? Can you give a heads up to somebody who's on the road right now? Have you had success? I'm always curious on this. Have you had success in getting money for pothole damage from any municipality? Because I feel like that, you know, oh, the option's always out there, but it never really happens. If you've had success, how did it go? And then on the gas front, how do you handle things? Do you switch anything in your day-to-day life, you know, big or small, when gas prices go through the roof like this? Um, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you are doing something a little bit different when it comes to uh, the gas. I'm, you know, making sure I'm not using it. <laughs> I'm plugging my car in all the time just to make sure I'm not going to the gas pump. But how do you do? Do you take one car more often than the other that might be better on gas when you're driving out? If you, you know, you're a family with a couple cars, are you driving less? Is there a special trick at the pump that you use? So I, before I mentioned what I would do, you know, my mindset, and I have actually changed on this to something that somebody else texted us in, 8030930. I would fill it up just a little bit when gas prices were very high. It's like, all right, I'll put you know, five bucks in the tank. And then uh, my goal is, well, I'll see something somewhere that'll be less. Either in a couple days it'll drop down or I'll drive by somewhere that's cheaper and then I'll save a few bucks. That always used to be my strategy. It turns out it never worked. (laughs) I was always wrong. Uh, The better strategy is what somebody just texted in who said you get gas as soon as possible and you fill it all the way up because you know that the next day and the next day and the next day and for the foreseeable future, the price is still going to go up all over the place. You're never really going to run into the the lower price anywhere unless you're out traveling, you go visit our native friends. And which I mean, I guess right now you can do downtown too, uh, and up in Niagara Falls. But aside from that, you're, it's gonna keep creeping up and up and up and up, and that's probably the better way is to just fill it up all right now. But what do you do differently? Let me know. And on the potholes, I mean, they are wicked right now. I mean, between the the freezing and thawing that opens up the road, the salt which. I know cannot be good for the road. And then the plows, because it snowed so much, just, you know, up there, I mean, you know, they can't help it. They're just tearing up the road. Um, Every 
everywhere you go, there are these massive craters that now I'm starting to get to the point where I know kind of what lane to be in. It's tough for me driving. So I come in in the morning. I'm going down Twin Cities Highway. I'm going from North Tonawanda to, you know, through the city of Tonawanda into the town of Tonawanda by the 290 there. And it's, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, right? If I'm in the right lane, I'm hitting pothole, 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 pothole. You basically have to drive in the center or very close to the middle of those two lanes to avoid the huge craters that are on the right side of the road. However, when I go to the left side of the road, it's mostly fine until you get to the, uh, the light there, the big intersection near where Colvin turns into Twin Cities, right by the 290, and Young's is there too. Then if you, when I'm in the right side to avoid all the potholes, you hit this area where, I mean, it's like you're on a, some sort of ride. I was talking about it earlier this morning with Susan. She mentioned it was almost like uh, you're out of Viddlers on like the little uh, horse that you put a dime in. And you're just going up and down, 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 like a little kid ride or something like that, that you're driving down. So it, you can't really avoid it in those spots. If I'm on Niagara Falls Boulevard near here, I know not to be. <clears throat> Maybe there's a reason for this. It always seems to be on the right side. The the right lane is worse. Is that true? Is the right lane more apt to get potholes than somewhere else in the road? Because now that I'm thinking this through, it does kind of seem that way. If I'm on Niagara Falls Boulevard, you know, basically in between Sheridan and Maple, stay out of the right-hand lane because it is boom, boom, boom. I mean, craters all over the place. And I even saw it driving on the thruway this weekend. I mean, the thruway, it gets potholes, obviously, but usually it's not that bad. But there were some really big ones out on the thruway you had to avoid. And you're going, you know, a little bit of a higher speed than you are down uh, Niagara Falls Boulevard in the middle of the day. A little tough to avoid those things. Uh, Said to the text board, 803-0930 if you want to weigh in. Somebody uh, saying that notice this when you're driving on the expressway, everyone's doing 65 or 70, so they can't be worried too much about gas prices and fuel economy. I think that's one place where people don't pay that much attention to it. I think, you know, if you are driving around the neighborhood – You have stop signs in the area, red lights. It's kind of more stop and go. That's where I pay a little bit more attention to it than if I'm on the highway. Because then you're thinking, all right, you know, I'm going to slow roll it up to this red light. And hopefully by the time I get to it, it turns green. I won't have to come to a complete stop. I'm more, you know, you're rolling through stop signs just a little bit no more. Not that you should do that. Don't tell somebody when you get pulled over that Brian told you to. But I do think that I think about it at least a little bit more in those scenarios. As opposed to on the highway where 
I'm more concerned about being up to speed on the highway. I understand that's where you're going to burn more of your gas going at higher speeds. But I am a little bit more concerned about making sure I'm not, like, slowing everything down and being dangerous that way. You want to keep it up to speed. I'm not necessarily thinking about fuel economy all the time. Uh, Someone else said that uh, as soon as the salt is done, they'll start riding their Harley, and that's how you get around gas prices. I. Hey, that's, you know, you talk about a fuel-efficient vehicle. All you motorcycle riders are probably doing pretty well. And then they have a family vehicle you'll use for family events. But if he's solo or just him and his wife, you ride the motorcycle. There's a way to get around some of those big gas prices, right? You ride around on the motorcycle. Not too bad. You save a little bit, bit of money that way. Do you drive around? Do you shop around? I, you know, I typically, I find my place and then I go to it. I've got, you know, the membership, right, for the slightly cheaper gas, and then you get more off if you buy certain items. And that's my go-to. And then if I'm driving, you know, by uh, the reservation, I'll stop there for sure. And those are kind of my go-to places. Uh, I don't have to worry about as much anymore with my car now. I mean, I, you know, I go like a thousand miles between Phillips. So this is, you know, I'm kicking myself or not kicking myself. What's the opposite? Every time I'm, you know, talking about this, I say it's, you know, it's my wife's problem, not mine. Even though at the end of the day, it's both of our problems. But I, I don't have to deal with it as much anymore, which is very nice. I can go a long way in between uh, uh, Phillips. Someone else said uh, that they're about to file a claim for potholes on Union Road. You have to tell me where on Union. You have to give some advice for this guy. Because I just do not see... Where these, you know, anytime you file a claim, I have yet to hear about the success stories. I only hear about frustration. I do want to hear a success story (laughs) if there is one out there. If you file a claim because of pothole damage. I've never had bad pothole damage, you know, a lost hubcap. Back when cars used to have hubcaps, and they don't really do that anymore on the newer vehicles. But that's pretty much the extent. You know, no big uh, frame damage or anything like that. And somebody said that, you know, when, when I said, ba-dum, 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 that's where the water comes to rest on a crowned road. And then uh, sitting water freezes, causes more potholes in the right lane. Oh, no, no. They're talking about right lane as opposed to that. All right. So that makes sense. So right lane would have more potholes thanks to the person who texted in, 8030930, because the water... I mean, right? We, we learned about this in uh, grade school. The road crests at the middle. The water goes down the sides. That's how it's supposed to be designed, at least. Some of these intersections aren't designed that way. But that's how the road's supposed to be designed. And then it goes off, right, over to the side. And so there's more sitting water there, so you have more potholes. That, now it's making perfect sense to me. 
So avoid the right-hand lane, I guess is what you want to do. It's tough to do when you have to make a turn. But I'm not sure. Uh, someone says they always top off at three-quarters of a tank when the gas prices are high to get that. And a lot of people are saying that they're always now, where before you might not think too much about filling up, that you're always now looking to take advantage of whether that's the car wash and gas, whether it's any savings you have at a grocery store or a membership, you're always taking advantage of that, which I think is kind of the logical, right? I mean, that's what we're doing. If you have, if you're going to get your car washed, you know you're going to do that. You have to get your car washed. Make sure you're going to use the opportunity to get a little bit of uh, cheaper gas, too. Whereas before, you might not have thought of that. You just say, oh, I'll go through the car wash. I don't need gas right now. But with prices that high, if you can get extra 10 cents off, you go with it. And that's pretty good. Um, someone saying they use potholes, uh, same technology as 50 years ago. There's not too much else out. I, I mean, I've seen some cool new pothole technology. But I'm not convinced by looking at a lot of these, you know, heavy-duty uh, trucks, these things that are, you know, I'm sure super expensive. I'm not convinced yet that that would do such a better job at filling the pothole to pay for the difference of what it's going to make. If you have like the heavy duty, super new technology that you pay millions of dollars for to fill these potholes, I mean, how much longer should you expect it to last? If it lasts one week longer and then the pothole just opens up again, was it really worth the money? I don't know. I'm, and I don't know if that's the exact way that it goes around. But not sure. It's got to be bad for truck drivers. One of them chiming in saying that they uh, keep praying their freight is still standing when they get to their next stop with all the potholes. This was actually great for me over this past weekend. I was helping my mother move. And she got a lot of stuff. So we're loading up. You know, cars, and you get the big truck, and then some of it goes in the smaller truck if it's a little bit more, you know, uh, something that you have to be a little bit more careful with. And there's a lot of stuff, and, you know, eventually you're getting tired, you're getting tired, and there's, you know, 15 different things that go on the wall in frames. I'm like, there's no way you have room for all this. There's no way you're using all this. But here's the beauty of potholes. When you're doing the move... Even though it wasn't a long, uh, you know, drive of where we were moving to. Listen, I said, well, pack it all up. You do as best as you can. You have all these frames. We have all these potholes. At the end of the day, we're going to let the road decide what stays and what goes. And if something's cracked, that's, you know, I, the road said that you don't need this anymore. And I guess it's going away. So there's a good part on potholes. Use it to your advantage. I guess if you're a truck driver, uh, that doesn't really help you out that much. You get blamed for anything that's broken. But if you're moving and you don't know, hmm, I don't, do I really need to pack four different mirrors? 
Well, sure, let the road decide which one stay and which one goes. I, I like that way of thinking. And then a, a good one that I learned the hard way is you avoid all puddles now because you know the potholes are underneath. I mean, any standing water that I see, I get like paranoid driving around that I'm going to like hit this pothole or hit this puddle. It just looks like a little bit of standing water and it ends up being a you know big one of those right in the middle of it. Cannot stand it. That's what we're all dealing with. It's stressful to drive right now in the middle of February, this year in particular, in western New York. Because if you're not hitting potholes, you're looking up and you're seeing the sign that you're paying more for gas. And even if you're not driving past the gas station, you're hitting all the salts on your car that you got to wash off. I mean, it's one thing after the other being on the road, stressful all over the place. So if you're listening to me on the road, sorry for stressing you out even more and reminding you. Uh, but hopefully you have an easy go of it. I won't be here tomorrow off for uh, just uh, one day in the week. Got a late night. Can't have late nights and early mornings when you start getting gray hair. Does not work out that well. But I'll be back uh, on uh, what, what comes after tomorrow, Thursday. I'll be back on Thursday <laughs> taking uh, your comments here. Uh, BMAS and Beamer on WBEM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.